Um, I was, this week, I was out driving, and um, I, I was thinking about Dad's Day, and I was thinking about, like what, like, what makes a dad? You know what I mean? Like, what is it that makes a dad? Well, they have to have a, a child. Yes, that's obvious. Thank you for saying that. But I was thinking, like, what is it about dads, you know? And I remember growing up, like, my dad, one of the things that he became known for was packing the car. Like, if we were going on a road trip, dad was going to be the one to pack it because he, like, had an engineer mind or something that allowed him to get more things in the car than anyone else could get in the car. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody been there before? And so I'm driving down um, Thunderbird this week, literally driving down Thunderbird. Somebody's excited about that. That's where you live. And I see, like, out of the corner of my eye, and it wasn't hard, I see this, and I'm like, this, this is the dad of the year. I don't know who he is, but I can just imagine the conversation in the house. Like, hey, honey, you forgot the lazy boy. And he was like, oh, I got room for it. I'm just going to put it on the top of the cab of the truck. And we need, to have, we need to have food readily available. And he's like, don't worry. I'm going to put an igloo on the back. And I'm going to strap it in a way that you can lift the top and pull out some water or Coke or whatever you need out of the igloo. And then, what about the couch? He was like, I'll just stick it up straight and put it in the back and, and it won't matter. And I just was wondering to myself, did he make it through the light? I got to the light, and I was like, is he going to hit the light? Is that unbelievable? I mean, that's a picture of dads. So dads, for all the packing of things that you're able to do, you're awesome. I'm sure this week, uh, or today especially, you're thinking about your dad and maybe some of the memories. Some, uh, some of us have dads that it's just, you know, been a joy in life, and uh, my dad is one who I'm so thankful for. His name is Wayne. Uh, we were laughing this week. Uh, he does not have a middle name. They left it out. His name's Wayne Anderson. And when they would ask him, like, what's your middle name? Like at the doctor and things, he was like, I don't have one. And they're like, no, no. Like, what's your, like we need to put it on the sheet. And he's like, I, I, don't, I don't have a middle name. And then he always told them, I was born in Mississippi. And they're like, oh, okay, we're, we're good. <laughs> He barely had a last name. It was like, like he, and then I have a stepdad, Richard, uh, who I'm so thankful for. Uh, he's an Auburn fan like me, and he lives in, in South Carolina, and I'm so thankful for him and the relationship with him. And then my father-in-law, uh, Randy, I'm so thankful for my father-in-law, Randy, who lives in Sarasota, Florida, and I'm thankful that he lives in Sarasota, Florida, so we can go visit and don't have to pay for a condo there. We can just kind of hang out there. No, I'm so thankful for, for them. And I know that for some, like I said, we have these great experiences with our dads. For others, um, the experience hasn't been the greatest. And for some, uh, maybe our dads uh, left and ended up uh, breaking that relationship, never to come back around. Some, that relationship broke, and then they came back around. And one of the things I love about uh, our faith and what we believe is that we believe that God is a heavenly father to all of us. 
that what we sometimes have missed in an earthly father, we have a heavenly father who steps in and provides maybe what we did not have, and we can find a home with him. In fact, the Psalms in Psalm 103 says this, um, the, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. This, this word fear is an interesting word. When we see that in, in our cultural context, sometimes we think about fear like, like scared of something and we have to shy away from it. But in uh, the, the Hebrew mind, when they talked about fear, it was more of a healthy respect. So uh, if you've ever been to the ocean, for example, and you've taken a surfing lesson, uh, there's this concept that you must have a healthy respect for the ocean. You must fear the ocean, not fear it in that you don't jump in and swim, but you must fear it in that you have to respect the power of the ocean and some things that you might not be able to control. That is in the Hebrew mind, this understanding of that we have this healthy respect for the power of God. Not that we fear him and that we shrink back, but that rather we, we understand and appreciate the strength and the power of our heavenly father. The Lord, and, and the, there's a little bit of a, a, a contrast there. The Lord is these two words, tender and compassionate, but he's also powerful. There is this picture of God as one who, who swallows up that child in, in, in love. And I often say this, um, that if, if we have this understanding of God as this, this angry father who's just waiting for us to make a mistake so that he can swoop in and let us know we've made a mistake, we've got the wrong impression of God. That God is the father, like that child on the bike who's learning to ride the bike, and he's about to run into the back of the pickup truck. God is like that father who's, who's coming behind him to grab him by the shirt to keep him safe. That's, that's God. Like God is the one who pursues you, not out of anger, but rather out of his deep compassion and love for you. And so here's the deal. If you miss everything else today, if you drift off in the next few minutes, don't miss this. God loves you more than you can ever imagine, and he longs to be your heavenly father. That, that's, that's who God is. And he wants to be your heavenly father, again, not out of anger, not because he wants to, because he just genuinely loves you and he likes you. How good is that? That's, that's God. So don't, don't miss that today in all that we, um, all that we walk through. So I was thinking, um, as I was thinking about dads, I, the things that dads say, somebody asked me this morning, they said, do you have a good dad joke for us today? And I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have a dad joke. But I was just thinking of the things my dad said that I remember uh, over and over again. And my dad always used to say this, they don't make them like they used to. And it didn't matter what he was talking about. Like, they don't make anything like they used to. Thank goodness. <laughs> because when he was a kid, he had a landline. And if, you, if some of you don't even know what that is, a landline, a phone in your house was shared by other people on your street. And so you had to check and see if somebody else on your street was using the one phone landline that was available. I'm glad they don't make them like they used to. I can call anybody I want right now. 
on my own phone. Like, so he would always say, they don't make them like they used to. And you know what I found is that now I say the same thing to my kids. Like, I, yesterday, I did a dad thing. Uh, you know, I, I replaced our garbage disposal. You know why? You know why I did it? Because they don't make them like they used to. And then I remember my dad always, anytime I asked, just about anything, go ask your mother. And I was always like, she said no, that's why I'm asking you. So, and then my dad always, does, does it look like I'm made of money? Do you remember when your dad said that? You're like, dad, I'm going to a movie, you know, can I get five bucks? And he's like, does it look like I'm made of money? That, that, they just, dads say that. And then my dad would say, when I was your age, you know, I'd be shooting basketball in the, in the driveway or something, and he'd come out, and he'd be like, did you mow the grass yet? I'm like, well, I'm shooting basketball. And he's like, well, when I was your age, by the time it was 9 o'clock, I had milked the cows and <laughs> got the eggs from the hen house and did all the laundry, and I walked seven miles uphill both ways. I don't know how he did that. And then it was always, and this is something, Dad, I don't know if you were like this, moms and dads, but I said to myself and my parents numerous times, I will never answer my kids by saying, because I said so. I just will never do it. I'm going to refuse. I'm going to explain to my kids because they deserve an explanation. I'm going to explain everything to my kids. I'm going to walk through it kind of give them the understanding that they need so they know why I've said no. I'm never going to say because I said so. And then I had my first kid. <laughs> and when, they turn, when Connor turned two, I, that was out the window. Like, because I said so is just the thing that you have to say. Why? Because I said so. You know? They just ask why so many times and because I said so. So it's interesting if you think back on your life, and if I think back on my life, there are probably some tapes and some of you don't know what tapes are. CDs, recordings, I don't know what you call them anymore. Um, we had these cassette tapes when I was a kid, and you could record on the cassette tapes because you didn't have access to all the music, and so you had to re record like the top eight at eight to listen to the top songs that night. And um, we, we all have these recordings in our mind. I'll just call them recordings, not tapes. But we all have these recordings in our mind that we can probably go back and hear our parents saying certain things to us. Do you have that in your mind? Do you have some things? I'm so thankful that my, my dad and mom, they worked really hard to always tell us, um, their kids, that they loved us. And I can hear them say it almost annoyingly at times. It's like, okay, dad, I get it. You love me. You don't care if I ever play basketball again, whatever. You're like, you just love me. You want me to know that. But that was something they just made a decision. We're going to tell our kids this all the time. Um, Robin and I have kind of taken that, like when we're on the phone, we always say, I love you before we hang up. It's just something that we do. And it's just our, our parents probably had phrases that they just came back to again and again and again. And those phrases, those words become foundational for us for life. Some of those recordings in your mind are key phrases that your life has been built around. And Scripture talks about how important the words that become foundational for us, how important those words are. And so I want to talk, as, as we're talking about road trips and, and going through the journey of life, I want to talk a little bit about that um, this morning. And if you remember, 
the foundation for the series, and I said I'm going to come back to this again and again, is this. Trust in the Lord with, with all your heart. Trust God from the bottom of your heart, and don't try to figure out everything on your own. Now listen, we are in a time, we're in an age in the modern world where we want to understand everything. We want to get a complete picture. We want everything to be verified before we, we truly trust it to be true, don't we? I mean, that's just the culture that we live in. And there's some good in that. There's some good in making sure things are uh, as they've been said. But there's also trust and faith that comes into play all the time. There's just some things we can't fully know or understand. And that's where the, the Proverbs say, trust God from the bottom of your heart and don't just try to figure out everything on your own. There is something, there, there's a perspective outside your own that is a powerful perspective and viewpoint that you should pay attention to. And not only pay attention to, you should trust it and listen for that voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. God's the one who will keep you on track. I, I think this passage is such a powerful foundational truth for the faith. And it's found in the Old Testament. So if you're new to the Bible, uh, we have what's called the Hebrew Scriptures, which are the Old Testament. And they're the times before Jesus. And then the New Testament is made up of the, the stories of Jesus and then into the letters to the New Testament church. That's how it's divided. And this is found in the Old Testament, some foundational truths and guides for life. And, and this one, I think... Again, like if, if you miss some things this morning, this is a good one to take a snapshot and put it somewhere. Dads and moms in the room, grandfathers and, and grandmothers, like this is a great passage to try to pass on to your, your children and grandchildren to help them understand that you won't fully be able to comprehend everything in this world, but you have someone, your heavenly father, who you can trust and who you can listen for because he is always with you. It's one of those foundational truths that should be built into our, our, our grounding and, and, our, and our course. In, in the Proverbs, a little few chapters later is this truth. We've talked about this many times, and I, I think for fathers and mothers especially and grandparents, this is important. Words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You get to choose. Like, what are you going to do with your words? Like, how are you going to use the words that you, that you constantly speak over into, into the lives around you, your children, your grandchildren, uh, one another? Like, what kind of words are you going to use in your life? And we all know that those recordings in our minds, sometimes they, they are... Um, they are, are the, the, the encouragement that we need, and sometimes those words are destructive all throughout our lives. Some of you remember something that was said to you by a parent or a coach or something that was said to you that, that just had devastating consequences, and you keep replaying it in your mind. You keep hearing it. Even though it might not be true, you keep hearing it over and over and over again, and it becomes foundational for how you understand yourself. And so words, the words that we have are, are so very important. 
And to help us understand this, I, I want us to go and look at the life of Jesus and the words that were foundational for him. So if, if we say we're a community following Jesus, it's good for us to look at how Jesus lived his life every now and then, right? And understand what was foundational for him, which might provide some insight for us as well. So Jesus, just culturally, he was born into a Jewish family. Jesus was a Jew. Did you know that? And so the, the Jewish um, way of life, the Jewish faith, the, the Jewish religion provided his grounding, and he grew up understanding uh, in the same way that many Jewish kids. And what was foundational for him is found in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's called the Shema. Can you say that? The Shema? Shema. 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 It's just, you know, it's kind of fun to say. Shema. Um, the Shema was a, uh, a prayer of sorts. And for every Jewish child, they would have grown up hearing the Shema in the morning and the evening. They would have began to speak it, and actually, they sung it. Eventually, over time, they began to sing the Shema. And this became the primary prayer and directional marker for the journey of their life. So this would have been primary in Jesus' mind, in his heart, and in the direction of his life. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So this provided the grounding for Jesus. In fact, by the days of Jesus, um, they believed that this maybe was even used three times every day, morning, noon, and night, that they had prayers morning, noon, and night, and this was the primary prayer that they used to create this foundation for the children that they would walk into. Um, quick little story. There was a rabbi, Rabbi Silver, after the Second World War, uh, 1945, and uh, he was from Germany, and Rabbi Silver, uh, at the end of the war, his, uh, his hope was to go find as many children, Jewish children that had been sent throughout Europe to hide them, to go find them and reunite them with any remaining uh, living family members. Does that make sense? So they had sent all these Jewish children around the countryside in Europe especially, and uh, they tried to keep them safe. And he, his goal was to go and get these children and bring them back home and see if they could find any family members that were still alive. I mean, horrendous if you think about how difficult this would be. Many of these children had now spent a number of years in the places they were sent. So he went to France. And he, was, uh, he had heard that there were some kids who had been sent to France in a certain monastery. So he goes to this monastery. They have no records whatsoever of which kids are Jewish and which kids are Gentile. So basically, in the Jewish mindset, they had uh, two classes of people. You had the Jewish people and you had the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And so he goes and they're like, we don't know which ones are which. We just have all these kids. Rabbi Silver could not figure out, how am I going to identify which kids are Jewish and which ones aren't? So, so you know what he does? He, he starts speaking the Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you must love the Lord your God. And he says that as he began to speak those words, there were certain kids in this monastery 
who all of a sudden opened their eyes and began to sit up because it was foundational. It, it, it was something they heard every morning and every night, and they began to identify who they were by what they knew to be true. Isn't that interesting? So this, for Jesus, was foundational. Listen. This word, listen, uh, is sometimes translated hear. Um, I remember as a kid, every now and then, my parents would ask me to do something, and I'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. And like an hour later, they would come out and they would say, did you, did you hear me? I'd say, yeah, I heard you. Well, then why haven't you taken out the garbage? Right? Oh, I heard you. I just haven't done it. Give me a few minutes. This ever happened to you? With your kids, did you ever say, do you hear me? And you're not asking, do they audibly hear you, are you? Because of course they audibly hear you. What you're asking is, why aren't you doing what I've asked you to do? That's what this word means. Not just hear as in have ears to hear. It's hear, like this is what you should do. There is one God, and you must give this God all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to his commands. Another way to understand this is you must commit yourself to his ways. One of the challenges for the Jewish people was that they oftentimes, uh, or they, they got to the place where they were just going through the, the, the actions, but their heart wasn't there. And so it's not just about checking things off a list. It's about being committed to it, wholeheartedly committed to it, not just going through the motions. And then he continues, listen to this, repeat these again and again to your children. Now remember, they hear this every morning and every night. Every kid, every adult hears this every morning, every night. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road. When you go to bed and when you get up, in other words, you should be talking about this all the time. You should be talking about faith. Faith should be a regular conversation in the context of your family. Let me say that again. Faith, if we are followers of Jesus, if we are living a life that is in tune with him, then faith should be a regular conversation in the context of our families. Let me say that again. I just want to make sure we're understanding like the foundation that Jesus, like what he lived, but then also what he's passing on is that faith should be a regular conversation in the context of our families. And listen, I know it's sometimes awkward and uncomfortable to talk about faith. I get it. It's sometimes, I, you, I know you all are like, Matt, you're the pastor. You probably talk about it. You talk about it so well at home. I could bring my kids up, and they are like, Dad stumbles over his words. Like, he sometimes has no idea, you know. Like, it's not easy, I know. But listen, come back for just a second. If we're not talking about faith in the context of our families, in our marriages, with our children, with our grandchildren, if we're not talking about faith, then faith is going to be filled with something else 
from the world's conversation. The world will fill up with conversation something to replace faith if we don't talk about it. Now, come on, church. This should be foundational in our homes. And if it's not, we're, we're missing something. And we're actually creating a void in our children and our grandchildren that something else will fill up. And I guarantee you, it won't be as good as the faith conversations we could have. It just won't. So you should talk about them at home, on the road, on your journey, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder, write them on the doorposts of your house. And what's interesting about this is, again, we can get into just the legalistic idea of like that we should like tattoo certain things on our hands to remind us. Like I should tattoo L-O-V-E just so that I remember love as a, as a reminder. Like I could say, oh no, the, the Bible talks about putting it on my hands and I'm gonna just tattoo it right here and then if I ever hit you, I'll be reminded that I should be loving you instead and then it'll be... Like that's not what the scripture's saying. Listen, I think it's, I think it's more metaphorical than that, to be honest. I don't think the idea here is a literal idea, even though there's some Jewish tradition that would tie in with that, that it would be more literal. I think it's metaphorical. And I think what this scripture is trying to build into our lives is that the work of our hands should be guided by our faith. Our faith should influence how we do whatever we do. And the forefront of our minds, how we make decisions in business, at home, at the forefront of our minds should be the ways of God so that when we make a decision, it's evident that we're grounded in the faith. Are you with me? Does that make sense? I don't think it's about tying things on our hands or putting things on our foreheads. I actually think it's about this leading the, the, the work of our hands and the thoughts, the decision-making process should lean into the ways of God, should be influenced, should be grounded in the ways of God. Put them on the door doorposts of your house. Have you ever been uh, to the home of, of, of a Jewish family? If you've ever been to the home of a Jewish family, you might notice um, just on the side of their door, usually, not all Jewish families, but many Jewish families, there's a little uh, semi-round piece that is, is an indicator of the Ten Commandments. That's the idea, is putting them on the door posts of their homes and on the gates. And then he continues, I like this last one, be careful not to forget the Lord. And later he goes on to say, you know what, when you, when you find yourselves in the land of plenty, welcome to Scottsdale, Fountain Hills, Phoenix, when you find yourself in the land of plenty, be very careful that you don't forget the Lord because it's easy when, when you have plenty to forget who gave you the strength and who gave you the wisdom to end up where you've where you found yourself. Don't forget God. So here's, the, in, in other words, this is the layout that I see in the Shema, that we're called to love God, like this should be the foundation of our lives. Here it is. We're called to love God, commit to his ways, not just like check things like I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning and I can check that off the box. And um, I mean, it's good to be together and worship together. Like the community, the, the peace of the community is so important. 
It's not just about sending in a check and saying, I did my tithe thing this week. I gave some money this week. Now, you should definitely do that, but it's not something that you just check off a box. See what I did right there? I got some of you. Anyway, um, you should commit to his ways, but you should also talk about it on a regular basis. Like, you should talk about faith. Even your doubts. It's good to talk about those things. It's good to say to your kids, you know what? I don't fully understand this yet. I don't know that I ever will. I, there's a couple things um, right now that uh, some circumstances in life that, are, that I'm, I'm around that I just don't fully understand. And I, I uh, it's heart, there's some heartbreaking little pieces that it's like, guys, I can't understand or explain this. But what I do know is that God is not distant. I know in the midst of these challenges, these struggles, I know that God can be found there. That he hasn't walked away or turned his back. I know God's in this. We should talk about those things and then we should live it and and we shouldn't forget. So just a few questions for you this morning. Um, Do you love God? And there's these moments every now and then it's good to have this like... um, what, is it, what are they called? What do you kids call them these days? DTR? Define the relationship? That's probably 10 years ago. I'm, I'm so behind. I don't know what they say anymore. Anyway, it's good to define the relationship. So, like, I just want to ask you honestly, and I think it's a good question to wrestle with on your own and then to have some conversation. Do you love God? Do you you believe there is a a heavenly father, a a God who created this all, who breathed life into you, who loves you more than you can ever? Do you you believe that and do you love him in return? Do you love God? Or do you want to love God? Is there anything in you that, like, you have this desire to love him in return? Do your actions, your word, and your habits, like if somebody was on the outside of your life looking in, and they watched how you do business, like the work of your hands, would, would they say, that person has integrity? I don't know that person at all, but they always do the right thing. That person's compassionate. That person respects everyone, regardless of their own views. Or what, like, would people say that about you? Do your actions, words, and habits reflect God's ways? Do you talk about your faith, your Savior, and your God? Do you talk about those things? And if not, the the follow-up question to that, which is a tough one, is why not? Like, why don't you talk about those things? Do you you feel it's uncomfortable, awkward, you don't know what to say, you don't know how to say it? Like, what is it that keeps you? Listen, if if you and I went, um, and I hope some of us get to do this in the near future, if we went golfing, be fun. I got my golf shirt on today. If we went golfing, uh, in, in the course of the time that it took us to play, hopefully more like three hours, not six, but in the time that it took us to play, eventually you're going to hear about my wife and kids. Why? Because I love them. I just love them. And I can't help but talk about them. Sometimes I wonder like, if, if we don't naturally bring it up, is it, is it a reflection 
of, of maybe a misplaced heart, like we, we haven't given God our whole heart. Are you with me? Does that, does that make sense? I, this isn't about um, shame. It's not. It's just about wrestling with what is at the foundation of our lives. And I hope we, rest, I hope we all wrestle with that. Like, what do I really, what's my faith in? If I always talk about X, does X have my heart? Okay. Uh, so, I was thinking, if I'm going to ask some of these questions, and then we, we, we wrestle with, how do you talk about faith? I wanted to give you some ideas of, here's some things that I have found to be helpful, and I'm not perfect at this, I struggle with it, but here's some helpful ways to talk about faith. Number one, I think Robin probably came up with this. We ask our kids every night when we eat, almost every night, not every night, but what was your high and low today? Like, what was, what, what was the best part of today and what was the worst part of today? And every now and then our kids were like, um, when, I, when I left this morning was the high and right now is the worst part of the day. Like, <laughs> awesome. We're great parents. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just terrible. Like you're sitting there and like when you talk to me, that's the worst part of the day, Dad. But that's a good way to begin to talk about faith. You ask about the highs and the lows and you begin to see what could be open opportunities to talk about faith and God and his love for us and his presence. Like I ended up getting an A on the test and I didn't even study for it. And we're like, it's a God of miracles. I mean, we... <laughs> Dig into dreams and disappointments. Like when our kids um, talk about things that they're disappointed in, like I wanted to be on this team and I tried out and I didn't make it. I, dig into that. You know, not just in terms of making them feel better, but like why is that a dream? Like why does that hurt you so much? Like what is it about that? And you can get into some things about identity that we all need to talk about. Is my identity found in my success or making a team or is my identity in just that I'm a human being that is loved by you and by God? And so talk about dreams and disappointments. Watch for current events and life circumstances. And friends, if we're missing current events that we can talk about faith, they're there. How we talk about them, that's another issue. How we talk about the current events that are going on in our world is vitally important. Um, so watch for current events, life circumstances. Let me say, too, we push this a lot at McDowell, the verse of the day on version. It takes, like, two minutes every morning to open the version app and just look at Like, do that as a family. Like, you can track each other and... Um, and, and help one another read that verse of the day. And then you can talk about that verse. Like the verse of the day today was the one that I put up a little bit ago about um, how God is compassionate and tender like a father. Like you can talk about that. That can become a, a, a faith kind of question in your house. Once a week, five times a week, whatever it is. So these are just some ways to talk about it. Um, so Jesus, this was the foundation of his life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with all your strength. What's interesting is when someone asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? What came out of his mouth? It was the foundation that he had grown up with. 
It was the very thing that had been built into his heart and his mind. And he says this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. And I think this is just a beautiful foundation for the faith. I love that Jesus simplified it for us. Here it is. Love God and love your neighbor. That's it. Everything boils down to these two things. Everything is built on these. So faith conversations could be built on these very two things. Someone did something to me at school. What does it mean to love your neighbor? What does it mean when Jesus says love your enemy? What does that mean? How do we do that? Does it mean you let somebody continue to bully you? I mean, those are good faith foundations. Some of you want me to answer that question right now. Like, like those are good faith conversations built on the foundation of Jesus' life, which should be the foundation of our life as followers of his. Um, this morning, to close, uh, we wanted just to sing one more song, and it's this great new song. We've, been, we've sung it a couple times. It's, it's called um, Evidence, and the idea behind this song is that um, the evidence of God is all around us if we'll pay attention. Like the, ev- the evidence of God is all over our lives, if, if we'll pay attention. And there's a passage of Scripture. Um, I know it's super small. I'm sorry. I just wanted to take a snapshot, and not like I normally do um, with this, but I, I, um, I, I was remembering that in the Psalms, there's a section of Psalms that were called the Psalms of Ascent. And when the the Jewish people would go to Jerusalem. They always had to climb the mountain to get to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was up in the mountains. It was up high. And um, the mountains were places where uh, oftentimes robbers would hide out. Um, there were the challenges of the heat, uh, which we are well acquainted with in Phoenix this time of year. There was the heat, the scorching heat, and um, they were climbing the mountain to meet with God. And so they used these psalms, they repeated these psalms as they approached Jerusalem. And I love this. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from here, from the mountains? No, my, my help comes from God who made the mountains, who made the heavens and the earth. See the difference, like the perspective? The perspective of like climbing a trail, uh, like a, an intense trail like Sunrise or Camelback or Fiesta or whatever it is, like you have this, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so difficult. Is my, is my strength found in climbing? No, no, my strength is in the God who made this. Like he's the one who created this. He will not let you stumble. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He watches over you. He stands beside you as your protective shade. Now, can you imagine climbing a mountain in, like, if you've ever climbed, have you ever climbed Sunrise? Anybody ever climbed Sunrise, like hike Sunrise? And if you do it, like, in the middle of the summer, it's hot, and there's no shade, listen to what the psalmist says. Like, his encouragement is the Lord watches over you, and he stands beside you as your protective shade. Like, that's your heavenly Father. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from harm. He watches over your life. He keeps watch as you come and you go, both now and forever. What a great promise. Well, that's our Father in heaven. 
who loves us. So I want you to hear, once again, if you missed everything else, some of you are just catching back up with me. Come on back. God loves you, but he doesn't just love you. God is for you. Isn't that awesome? He's for you, and he's with you. Um, So if you'll stand with me, we're going to sing this last song and uh, wrap our time together. God, you are good, and I pray that we would, um, each of us would wrestle with What is at the foundation of our lives? What is our faith? Pray that you would give us um, the strength to be honest about our, our faith, our doubts. Give us wisdom on how to talk about these things on a regular basis. God, I just pray your presence would be with each one of us. In Jesus' name.